Welcome to the Millennial Therapist Podcast with Mao and Nao. This podcast is hosted by two millennial therapists who are true crime, forensic psychology, and macabre obsessed. This is not your typical mental health podcast where only mental health and social work topics are discussed. We dabble in various topics from cultural humility to military mental health to ghosts to interesting ways our parents use the paranormal to discipline us. Ed Kukui, anyone? <laughs> Why so many topics? Because we're millennials. To make things more interesting, one is an Air Force veteran and a mom of two. The other is currently serving active duty, and both are children of immigrants working to honor their ancestors. Warning, listener discretion is advised. So this is Mao and Nao, and today we have a special guest with us. She is a fellow millennial clinical social worker, creator, and host of Gonya Who Am I podcast that is dropping April 22nd. She's going to share with us what her podcast will be about. So this is our guest, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. My name is Michelle, and I'm launching my podcast, Gonya Who Am I, on April 22nd, which is also my birthday and Earth Day, so lots of fun things happening. The podcast is a self-help first-person narrative on navigating the intersectional aspects of identity from a clinical lens of a social worker, because I am a social worker. I'll be discussing pretty tough experiences of myself, of some experiences that my friends have had as well. Some will be traumatic things, some will not be as traumatic. I know that a lot of women of color have also been dealing with regularly and how those loop back to mental health and social justice so at the end of every episode hopefully i'm able to give some resources and tips on how to navigate the themes that i've covered in each episode because ultimately the goal is to empower women of color to have them live in their truth find their voices and feel powerful overall especially in the times that we're living in that is going to be so exciting i've heard some of it and it's such a dope narrative that you're coming first person and it's so different i don't think I've heard anything like this on any platforms. If I had that when I was younger, I would be even more unstoppable. So make sure you guys look out for Gonyo Who Am I by Michelle. They'll have it in the Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Anywhere you get your, your podcasts from. Awesome. Thank you for joining us in this discussion. Nao is going to walk us, start our conversation about today's episode. So we really, really want to hear your clinical experience and your experience as a woman of color and trigger warning, content warning. This does include sexual harassment. Please, listener, be advised. I will have Nao take it away. Disclaimer, y'all. Um, the opinions are those of the host. We do not represent the Department of Defense or any military branch or government entity. This is our own opinion. And so today's episode is dedicated to Specialist Vanessa Guillen. Do y'all remember how you heard about this case? It was all over social media. I definitely saw it on my Instagram and her face was everywhere. That's that's how I got my first access to it. Same. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. No, same here. I'm saddened to say that I actually did not come about it till probably a couple months later that it was rounding. You guys think making the rounds and in, in, in social media, right? So, so who is specialist Vanessa Guillen? Vanessa Guillen was born and raised in Houston with five siblings. Her mother, Gloria Guillen, said she had an interest in the military since childhood when she would play with her brother's toy pistol. Despite her mother's reservations, Vanessa decided to enlist at 18 years old. Specialist Guillen was athletic. She enjoyed lifting weights. She played soccer and ran on track and cross-country teams. Especially Guillen's mother said she had enjoyed attending church with her daughter. A memorial at her home was surrounded by angels and figures of the Virgin Mary, which especially Guillen wore on a gold necklace that she never removed. And I think a lot of Latinos like relate to that. <laughs> There's like a specific portraits that our parents would buy with the angels and, you know, just having like the cross necklace or the Virgin Mary. Lupe, who is Vanessa's sister, said all Vanessa wanted to do since she was 10 years old was join the military. She looked like she wanted a career in the military. Specialist Guillen was reported missing on April 23rd. Her car keys, room key, ID, and wallet were found in the armory room where she had been repairing small arms and artillery. She was last seen around noon on April 22nd in the parking lot of her squadron's headquarters at Fort Hood. On April 24th, the U.S. Army Criminal Investigation Command posted a new release asking for the public's help in finding her. Thousands of soldiers searched for Specialist Guillen in buildings, barracks, fields, training areas, lakes, and trails at Fort Hood. Investigators who searched her phone found that the last person she texted was Specialist Specialist Robinson. Specialist Robinson worked in a building at Fort Hood that was adjacent to where Specialist Skien worked, according to Special Agent Damon Phelps of the Criminal Investigation Command. He was not Specialist Skien's superior and was not in her chain of command, Mr. Phelps said at a news conference. A witness told investigators that Specialist Skien left the arms room where she had been working and went to the arms room controlled by Specialist Robinson to confirm serial numbers for weapons and equipment. The complaint said... Specialist Robinson later said he read her the serial numbers and gave her paperwork according to court documents. He said he believed she then left to go to the mortar pool. Two witnesses later said that on the same day, they saw Specialist Robinson coming out of the arms room pulling a large, tough box with wheels that appeared to be very heavy in weight, according to the complaint. Hold June. On. So this part, sorry to interrupt, but this is so crazy because do you remember when this happened? We had no fucking idea what happened to Vanessa mm-hmm. at all. Right. Like, nothing was mentioned. Nothing was talked about, said publicly. It was the family, and I know Naya will go into it. This specialist Robinson was never even mentioned at all, which is so fucking crazy. So yeah, I think that's just wild where once we, you know, do the research and we put on paperwork, it's like, oh, it sounds like a legit timeline. But no, nothing was even mentioned until her family and her friends, they had to be outraged and protesting for simple awareness. And I think like you guys are saying, like there was a lot going on behind the scenes that was not released to the public. So we really didn't know. All we knew was that at some point she was missing. And of course, you had like that ugly gut feeling of you, you really hope it's not the worst. But with the unknown, you, you hold on to hope right that the worst is not real in june uh, her dismembered and burned remains were found near the leon river in bell county texas on july 2nd u.s army officials said that a criminal investigation had not found any link 
between Guillen's disappearance and sexual harassment allegations. However, they said to the victims of sexual harassment and assault, we hear you, we believe you, and I encourage you to come forward. The Army will not stop its efforts to eradicate sexual harassment and assault until it no longer exists in our formations because that's the Army standard. On July 2nd, the Army said she had been killed by another soldier naming Specialist Aaron Robinson, who then tried to dispose of her remains. And I think when this information was released, his picture just became plastered all over social media. As soon as they had a name, they were like, oh, this is the guy. But it's like, what was the time frame of you doing any forensic analysis to find this guy out? Because it didn't sound like it was that fucking hard or long. I think there was a timeline I didn't include in this script that we have that breaks down when they started looking at cell phone towers. I don't know if it's in here... Or I think you had already said it, Nao, that they looked at her phone and saw that the last text was to Specialist Robinson. Y'all didn't follow that lead? Um, I don't feel like this was this difficult from jump. There's mm-hmm. no way this needed to take this long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think another piece too that was a big discussion was that Vanessa had been experiencing sexual harassment from a superior within her unit. I don't think it was ever named who it was. She told her mom and her mom, her family had encouraged her to do it. And she's like, no, they don't, they care. Nothing will happen. It's not going to be, anything's going to be done. It was affecting her daily functioning. You know, she didn't feel safe. And the army during this time gaslit the fuck out of her family, everybody, because they said, well, there weren't any reports. No shit. There weren't any reports. She wasn't feeling safe enough to report. Neo had just read that they said, well, we have a criminal investigation, but there's no link between her disappearance and her sexual harassment allegations. What does that even mean that there's no link? What link are you looking for? Like pictures? A note? Yeah, it's ridiculous. On July 2nd, the Army said she had been killed by another soldier named Specialist Aaron Robinson, who then tried to dispose of her remains. Cecily Aguilar, the girlfriend of Specialist Robinson, was later arrested and charged with one count of conspiracy to tamper with evidence. In a criminal complaint, officials said she helped Specialist Robinson mutilate and dispose of Specialist Guillen's body. Investigators told her to call Specialist Robinson. During the conversation, he denied doing anything to Specialist Guillen, but he later texted Miss Aguilar pictures of news articles about the discovery of human remains near the river and i quote he said baby they found pieces court documents quote him as saying during a phone call with miss aguilar which investigators were monitoring they found pieces specialist robinson's killed himself with a pistol as the police approached him i want to reference the affidavit that was released by the fbi on july 2nd this kind of gives us more of a timeline of how things kind of unraveled because that's pretty much a summary of what happened you guys were saying if we go back in real time none of this was released to us it was just only like bits and pieces and um, i was going to later kind of talk about how key it was the family's never ending advocacy efforts that pretty much brought the truth to light if you guys just google vanessa guillen fbi affidavit it'll pop up for you here are some of the key facts that they found through the investigation on april 23rd USA CID was notified by a captain in the Regimental Provost Marshal 3rd Cavalry Regiment for Hood, Texas that Private First Class Vanessa Guillen had been reported missing by her unit. A witness stated that Private First Class Guillen left the arms room where she was working to visit the arms room at another location at Fort Hood while controlled by Specialist Aaron Robinson. We kind of, in order to confirm serial numbers for weapons and equipment. The witness verified that Private First Class Guillen left the arms room without the US US Army ID card bank card or car keys with her barracks keys attached. 
The witness stated that her property was still in the arms room when he secured the arms room for the day. I mean, I don't know a lot of people that would just feel comfortable leaving such crucial belongings. No. Especially your ID, your military ID. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the first thing. Like, you get chewed out if you leave that even anywhere. It's like a security breach. Like, you just... Absolutely. Whatever is the whole national security here. Mm-hmm. Search of private first class Guillen's phone records revealed that the last outgoing text message from her phone was a message to specialist Robinson. Robinson was one of the last people known to have seen private first class Guillen. On April 22nd, he had stated he texted private first class Guillen to inform her he was in the arts room. He said she read serial numbers for equipment and afterwards he gave her paperwork and the serial number for a .50 caliber machine gun which needed to be serviced. He said she left the arms room and he believed she would have next gone to the mortar pool. Witnesses the mortar pool prepared to receive the paperwork from private first class Guillen stated she did not arrive with the papers. We move on to April 28th. The USACID interviewed Specialist Robinson. Mama Margo from Military Murder talks about this piece because I think it's very crucial. So among the things he said concerning his activities on April 22nd, Specialist Robinson stated that after he finished his work, he went to his off-post residence he shared with his girlfriend, Cecily Aguilar, and did not leave the rest of the night except around 6.30 p.m. when he had to come on post to sign onto a government computer to enroll in training. Again, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> some people do that, but usually like duty hours are 7.30 to 4.30. And to come and finish training like on your own time... I don't know. Uh, Yeah, no. I call bullshit. So he was creating an alibi, essentially, right? Because he's saying like, oh, but I was was there. That's why my phone shit was on the record, because I was there doing training. Shut the fuck up. No, you wasn't. Exactly. May 18th, two witnesses were interviewed who stated that on April 22nd, they observed Specialist Robinson pulling a large tough box with wheels that appeared very heavy in weight coming out of the arms room. The same room where Specialist Robinson's work, the two witnesses observed Specialist Robinson load the top box into his vehicle and drives away. On May 19th, Specialist Robinson consented to a search of his cellular phone by UFFED extraction. A review of the phone call logs revealed Specialist Robinson called Aguilar multiple times during the night of April 22nd and as late as 3.30 a.m. on April 23rd. Specialist Robinson also received calls from Aguilar throughout the day. So then they get a hold of Cecily Aguilar, who is the girlfriend of this person, and they interviewed her on June 19. According to Aguilar, she stated that uh, she was with Specialist Robinson all night on April 22nd. She was asked why Specialist Robinson would call her after midnight if he was at the residence with her. Um, No, that's a great question. She stated she could not find her phone and had Specialist Robinson call the phone to help her find it. The statement, however, is inconsistent with the lengths of the calls. Ooh, got him. (laughs) Because they know everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yes, I was going to say, you know when they ask questions, they know the answer already. They're just trying to catch you in a lie. So you got to plead the fifth. I mean, not if you're guilty. Just tell the truth. But... (laughs) They got caught red-handed, just lying their butts off. Right. Mm-hmm. Specialist Robinson called Aguilar several times throughout the night, and the calls after midnight were for lengths greater than one minute. So when I lose my phone and I have my like my my partner call it, I don't even answer. I'm like, oh, I heard it. <laughs> like, ignore, you know. So then Aguilar during a re-interview, because I think this is common where. They'll interview you. Oh, I'm not like a forensic specialist or nothing like that. But I think (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) 
<laughs> another disclaimer. <laughs> then they'll make you tell the story backwards because the more you release more details, more than likely your memory will recall some things. But if you're staying consistent no matter what, kind of how uh, Carol Baskins doesn't move. Allegedly, <laughs> in our opinion. <laughs> So they did the re-interview with Aguilar, right? Then she goes on to state that she lied in her previous statement. She stated that she did leave her residence because one of the ways she coasts is by taking long drives. Aguilar stated that she was with Specialist Robinson on the night of April 22nd where they took a long drive to a park in Belton, Texas to look at the stars. Aguilar stated that after going to the park, they, they returned home. Oh, that's nice that you went stargazing right after, you know, you went to Bury... Yeah, like what? Like, do you see the constellation of Leo? Me too. Like what? You're not making any sense. Oh. <laughs> but not only that, so now we're stargazing and calling each other millions of times? Okay. <laughs> yeah. She placed herself at the location of where her body was found. <laughs> So then, an analysis of phone records pertaining to Specialist Robinson's telephone was conducted. A review of the location data revealed that at approximately 1.59 a.m. on April 23rd, Specialist Robinson's cell phone was identified in the vicinity of FM 436 and West Main Street in Belton, Texas, specifically on or around a bridge. Specialist Robinson's cell phone then tracked along the Leon River in a northward direction. Specialist Robinson's cell phone remained in the area for approximately two hours. That's a long time. Um, Aguilar's cellular telephone location data was also analyzed later, and it revealed that she and Specialist Robinson were near the Leon River together on April 23rd and on April 26th. So based on this data, the personnel from USACID, Bell County Sheriff's Office, and Texas Rangers searched the Leon River site in Belton, Texas on June 21st. A burn site with disturbed earth was identified. What appeared to be the burned remains of a plastic toad or tough box were found nearby in an area near where Specialist Robinson's phone pinged. The soil beneath the burn site was remarkably softer and moister than the soil found in similar depths, merely feet away, and had an odor of de decomposition. However, no remains were, locate, were located. I just want to say around this time, too, that this is when they also found the remains of another soldier. Do you remember the name of the soldier? Because I really don't want to do a disservice to this person. And then there was another uh, army soldier that was found hung. He was from... Massachusetts, another Latino man, and they said it was suicide, but it was not. Do you remember that one? It was like, it was a little bit after. Really shitty. So that was Sergeant Elder Fernandez. He was found hanging from a tree. He had reported sexual abuse. So then about around one o'clock in the afternoon on June 30th, USA CID was notified that contractors working on a fence adjacent to the Leon River in Belton, Texas, discovered what appeared to be human remains. USA CID along with FBI, BCS, USMS, and Texas Rangers searched the area and identified scattered human remains that appeared to have been placed into a concrete-like substance buried. About 8.30 p.m. on June 30th, Aguilar was interviewed and admitted that Specialist Robinson told her that on April 22nd, he struck a female soldier in the head with a hammer multiple times at his arms room, killing her on Fort Hood. A client knows that this arms room is located within the special maritime and territorial jurisdiction of the United States, area of exclusive federal jurisdiction. 
Aguilar advised the female soldier never made it out of the army alive. She's referring to to Fort Hood. Specialist Robinson then placed her in a box and moved the box to a location near the Lowne River in Belton, Texas. Additionally, in regards to the statements, on the evening of the 22nd and 23rd of April, Specialist Robinson picked up Aguilar up at a gas station she worked at and took her out to a site near the Leon River and near a bridge. A box with wheels and handles was already at the site and Specialist Robinson walked Aguilar over to the woods and opened up a box for Aguilar and she saw a dead female inside the box. Aguilar, on a later date, identified the dead female as Vanessa Guillen. To more easily dispose of and to conceal the body of the dead female, Specialist Robinson and Aguilar proceeded to dismember the dead female's body. They used a hatchet or axe and a machete-type knife. They removed the limbs and the head from the body. Specialist Robinson and Aguilar attempted to burn the body, however, the body would not burn completely. They placed the dead female in three separate holes and covered up the remains. I don't even know what to say. This is just so heartbreaking. Um, and what? And I don't understand. So they still don't have a motive, but I imagine was, and this is just speculation. I mean, he was probably one of the soldiers, like sexually harassing her, and it just escalated for his girlfriend to be part of that. I just, I wonder the dynamic between their relationship of like, did she feel like she had to help him? Was she scared? You know what I mean? Again, not to justify, but we all know, like, in these couples that kill together, a lot of times the partner is being coerced by the more dominating partner. It doesn't make sense to me why why she would do that. And and then she was came out so quick to confess. And I feel like, I mean, he killed, he killed Vanessa, right? And so I feel like at that point, coercion is really easy to understand at this point because she wasn't there when the act actually happened. She did the aftermath, right? Where he's probably at this point being like, hey, such and such happened. And so like, this is where we're at now. And if you don't help me with what we know in the art of manipulation, if you don't help me with such and such, then these are the consequences for you. If that is the case, that is the dynamic. So that was the FBI affidavit just detailing more of a timeline according to to Aguilar. After that, I remember seeing on the news that unfortunately Miss Guillen, La Señora Guillen, when this was released, spread through social media. And at this point, I remember when she went to go see at the time Donald Trump. She went to advocate for her daughter for justice for survivors. And when she was speaking at the event, she broke down because she had said that she had not herself learned what had happened to her daughter. When this was released, that's how she found out. Oh, no. She learned from the affidavit. So I guess she saw it somewhere uh, on the news or social media. And I want to, I want I can't recall her exact verbiage, but she gave to understand that she hadn't known until this information was released to the public. So I, I guess she kind of learned with everybody what had happened. So the military didn't reach out to her? I, I'm not sure at that time. I think that's kind of a little bit unclear. Yeah. Regardless, someone needed to have told that mother. I mean, I can probably say no if if she's out there saying that she found out via media or on the internet herself. That I mean, there was no announcement of death as a death in a deployed situation. At this point, I don't think the military was essentially involved in the investigation anymore, right? It was because the FBI had taken over it, it sounds like. So I wonder if they even told the military the details for them to even tell her. Regardless, somebody should have fucking told her. Yeah, but I mean, if this is happening on military grounds, don't those things intersect? Or no? 
I mean, it should. It it should. I think jurisdiction, I think it was beyond the military at this point now because CID did their own part in regards to like investigating a missing soldier. But then when the remains were found on civilian ground, then that's when local law enforcement and the FBI will come in and essentially take over it. Because even like with military police, they don't have any authority off of the base. Like they can't pull you over correct us let me know but i'm pretty sure like they can't pull anybody over so same thing for investigation i don't think you they can do anything once it's like civilian side related but also they was fucking up like on top of that i think another piece too that i remember there's it was just a flurry of fucking information once things started really picking up mama margo of military murder podcast covered it the murder squad covered it also so paul holes and billy jensen who has a huge audience was able to do that and i think literally within a week of their episode dropping or even a couple of days more info came out about specialist robinson specialist robinson was part of that crew looking for her and even talked to the mom to senora guillen fucked up i don't know why i wanted to add that you're right and the sister actually approached him and confronted him do you know what happened to my sister and i think he laughed in her face you're right yes oh my god my blood is fucking boiling you're right yeah so just pure fucking evil i don't know what happened to him i don't know his history i don't know shit but that's awful found the the independent review that describes the the cid interviews according to task and purpose written by jeff schlop on december 9th an independent civilian panel's review of forehead has uncovered shocking lapses in the investigation of army specialist vanessa guillen's death the fort hood independent review committee found that out of the 35 army criminal investigation command special aliens agents who look into cases at fort hood only three special agents have more than two years of experience according to the, the panel's report Hell no. So in their own special investigation unit, which is supposed to be specialized special agents for investigations, they have brand new investigators. And only how many with over two years of experience? They said only three. And I quote, it has been the experience of these career federal law enforcement professionals and investigative agents with less than two years experience are generally only capable of conducting simple witness interviews handling less complex investigating techniques and acting in a support role for more experienced case agents. The special agents, and I quote, conducted brief, choppy interviews of key individuals in the critical early stages of the investigation. They also did not include contact information for the witnesses interviewed or indicate whether they had spoken to people by phone or in person. The report says the interviews here to be road and indeed checklist driven. Communication between special agents was extremely limited, according to the report. On April 24th, one agent learned that Guillen met with Army Specialist Aaron Robinson, the soldier accused of killing her, in his unit's arms room on the day she disappeared, according to the report. Another special agent learned that Guillen had texted Robinson. So, really shitty police work is what you're telling me. And I'll say it because that's exactly what it is, is they're just doing, you don't have to confirm, I will confirm because what is happening is you have these green, and I get it, like you have to start somewhere, right? But there's no oversight. There's no proper training, I bet you, because that's what the military does is they're like, oh, figure it out. You're an adult. And they throw you to the wolves and then you fuck up and then everybody fucks up. They were just using brief checklists, checking the box, not briefing the proper information. So it was blatant evidence like what, what michelle had said earlier like it was there so at this point there wasn't like a real 
I guess, continual flow of information that is being relayed amongst professionals, sounds like. And so the article goes on to mention, that, so, you know, it's just like one, art, one agent learned this, another agent learned that. And it goes on to state that there are no indications that a third special agent who interviewed Robinson that evening tried to look at Robinson's phone or take the device into custody to preserve Gagan's text and other evidence. There is no indication that this third agent tried to even look at his phone. CID special agents also believe three non-commissioned officers who they say saw Guillen leave the arms room and walk toward the parking lot, even though none of the soldiers were in Guillen's unit or, or knew her, that they provided conflicted descriptions of what Guillen was supposedly wearing, but they were not pressed for details until much later in the investigation, by which time they had changed their stories. I and mean, I quote this from Panel Found. As a result, CID agents did not consider Specialist Robinson of sufficient interest to even examine his phone subject him to a more intense investigative focus and at least a more intense and detailed interview by an experienced special agent. Why? 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 Contact. What the fuck are you doing as an investigator? Like, this is horseshit. Like, I'm sorry. It's literally your job to make connections and make connections. Like, what? what you're just like, oh, okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. You told me you didn't kill him. Cool. Right. And even more concerning, a topic from those statements is that they also did not advise Guillen's unit to change her status from AWOL, her duty status from AWOL, even though all her belongings were left in that room and her car was still in the parking lot. So in other words, they're saying like, why wasn't her AWOL status changed even though like there's all these signs of a missing person? It looks like foul play right so which i think is important because if she has that status then every not everybody but it's going to be looked at of like oh but there's a possibility that she left on her own um it makes it seem like her missing status is less urgent because i know her unit went and they were searching for her immediately i think like the very next day the last quote it says in the guillen case there were two instances where the incorrect information led to fruitless searches and expenditure of scarce manpower. And so you always hear from the shows or from law enforcement all the time. The first 48 hours are always the most crucial. And so at this point, like enough time had passed by that now they're getting conflicting stories or getting different leads. And so that just complicates further trying to find Vanessa at that point. So I think because of that fuck up of investigation, they created the People First Task Force where it's a new policy to follow when soldiers do go missing that allows commanders to classify missing soldiers for up to two days as absent unknown while trying to determine if the soldier left their post voluntarily. Previously, soldiers whose whereabouts were unknown were immediately listed as AWOL. That's the least you can do, fucker. So another disturbing piece of information in this shit show of Fort Hood, there was the passing of her friend Krista Martinez, a U.S. Army veteran and friend of the family and Vanessa. She was one of the first to help the Guillen family start the hashtag find Vanessa movement, demanding answers and pressing the military. Martinez was a veteran herself who was last stationed at Fort Hood. She had also experienced sexual harassment on base and had reported sexual harassment herself. Mid-June of that year, she spoke out forcefully against alleged cases of sexual harassment and abuse, saying Fort Hood is a terrible place. Sexual harassment and sexual assault is a big thing at Fort Hood and there is never any justice. The family needs justice. The family needs answers. 
Sadly, on June 30th, 2020, it was reported that Crisa Martinez was killed in a car accident, which was extra suspicious because, again, it was another woman of color soldier speaking up against the big army. And I think a lot of her friends and family don't believe that she really died from a car accident. When I heard that, I was like, bullshit. Like, so that's a whole nother fucking thing to investigate but because margot of military murder had also covered a few other cases of military deaths that were cover-ups essentially and the military is not against covering up death how did someone like that make it into the military and and essentially enabled to have such toxic toxic behavior i mean there's a whole that could be a whole another full podcast series and i i wrote a whole ass grad paper on that so if you guys want to hear it holla at your girls so just to follow up on Aguilas, so she was charged i don't think she went through trial yet but she is facing upon conviction to 20 years in federal prison and a maximum of two hundred fifty thousand dollars fine i'm not sure what the end result was so investigators concluded that her death was in the line of duty according to the united states army meaning that her family is able to get the benefits as one would if they were to die in a deploy doing like a military service so is able to have a funeral with full military honors final pay allowance which helps the family so again i am a veteran i am not currently serving you ain't got shit on me (laughs) and this is my opinion like neo mentioned the aftermath so her death and public outrage and her family's advocacy forced the army to launch an investigation examining fort hood sexual harassment assault response and prevention program are also known as sharp so the army has sharp they started to do an investigation june that year senator tammy duckworth who is a democrat of illinois she's a badass she's a helicopter pilot purple heart she announced in august that the government accountability office is also conducting a probe of the program with the investigation army secretary ryan mccarthy announced 14 firings and suspensions among commanders lower level leaders as a result of the investigation into a pattern of sexual assault harassment suicides and murder at fort hood army post in clean texas so if you remember like shit just kept coming out of the woodwork we were like what is going on in fort hood you couldn't turn on the news without seeing something happening so of course they had to save face let's be real in addition to disciplinary actions mccarthy released findings from an independent review he had commissioned in july to assess problems at fort hood with a focus on claims of discrimination harassment and assault mccarthy named five civilians to be part of the review of the command climate and culture at the base and in the surrounding military community around Fort Hood. Quote, I have determined the issues at Fort Hood are directly related to leadership failures. Yeah, no shit that he said at a Pentagon press conference. Like, durr. It feels like so, like, I'm just checking the box, right? Again, in my opinion, yes, you can say the leadership is fucking up, but also we have to acknowledge the toxic culture and environment that is in day-to-day military culture. He says, I am gravely disappointed that leaders failed to effectively create a climate that treated all soldiers with dignity and respect and that failed to reinforce everyone's obligation to prevent and properly respond to allegations of sexual harassment and assault, McCarthy said. And I also wrote, okay, pull up or shut the fuck up. Because, like, you're just saying words. I don't, what, what are you saying? Yeah, you're saying that what everybody thinks. So it's just really frustrating to see shit like that. The Army's action follows an air 
airing of a CBS news investigation into sexual assault. So CBS is like, all right, I got you. So they did over a course of a year and a half, CBS News spoke to nearly two dozen sexual assault survivors from all branches of the military who say their allegations were brushed aside and they were retaliated against for reporting their assaults. And I quote, anytime you see soldiers or you know whether they are soldiers for life, whether they're on active duty or not, for them to come forward shows how terribly hurt they were, McCarthy told CBS. And it just compelled me to want to respond. Oh, really? Fuck you. I'm not feeling this. (laughs) The Army said those relieved of duty included Major General Scott Eflant, Colonel Ralph Overland, Command Sergeant Major Bradley Knapp. The Army suspended Major General jeffrey broadwater and command sergeant major thomas c kinley pending the outcome of a new investigation into the first cavalry division's command climate and program for preventing and responding to sexual harassment um do you hear a pattern of all those names hella white dude hundred dollars they're mostly white dudes we have to then acknowledge who's in charge of again victims and survivors bodies men like that's bullshit so mccarthy said Vanessa's murder shocked our conscience and brought attention to deeper problems at Fort Hood and across the Army more widely. He said it forced us to take a critical look at our systems, policies, and ourselves. Motherfucker, it should have not taken a brutal murder to do that. It should have been a pattern of sexual assault. If you had 10 sexual assaults, it should have. So yeah, I'm not a fan of this. But I wanted to add this so we know what was being said. This independent review committee that was created to review the culture at Fort Hood was done on July 30th. It was composed of regional director of a veteran nonprofit and four lawyers with backgrounds include law enforcement, military investigations, and complex employment issues. The committee surveyed 31,612 soldiers interviewing 647 and met with civic elected leaders, local law enforcement leaders, and local district attorneys. The findings of the committee identified major flaws of the SHARP program from implementation to reporting and fundamental issues with the Fort Hood Criminal Investigation Command field office activities that led to unaddressed problems at Fort Hood. So on every level of this sexual harassment assault response prevention program, they found issues in the program itself that was created to help and protect our soldiers. But that totally makes sense, right? Because who's cre- who's creating the program? If, it, if it's the same white men who are abusing the power and who are doing these things to these victims, right? And they're the ones creating these programs, of course the programs are gonna be flawed. Absolutely. And I think from, in the army, I don't, in the air force at least, but in the army, when you, report a sexual assault or harassment or anything the complaint goes to the commander and your unit or commander like and they decide if they're going to bring it up or not it's not like hr where it's like this disconnected department that's like neutral that, that has nothing to do with anybody it's literally someone who manages you right up from you right and then that's the next person up above that and then the next person up above so these are literally people who have compromise interests. There's a conflict in interest. Yeah, and I think this sharp is supposed to be a, like a different entity, but it, my understanding is it's still active duty or at least somebody within the the army. It's definitely not a third party. So Chris Wecker, a lawyer and former assistant director of the FBI's 
criminal investigative division led the investigation. He said during one of the uh, press conferences that Fort Hood had an ad hoc missing persons policy and failed to institute criminal suppression strategies. About three quarters of the soldiers interviewed by the panel were women. More than 18% recounted sexual assaults, according to the panel. Member uh, Cuenta Rodriguez, the regional director of a nonprofit organization for veterans. We discovered 93 credible accounts of sexual assault of those only 59 were reported rodriguez said adding that the number of unreported accounts show shows how a lack of confidence in the system affects reporting almost every single latina in the no matter what branch you serve you probably got a phone call from a worried parent from a worried caregiver i know i did i know my friends did and so it was like a, a shared experience of be careful take care of yourself don't trust anybody it, it hit the community oh just in um, hearing the mom is uh, the, a mother's cry for their children especially when there's been loss that is the most painful sound you could ever hear I, I want to say when you hear her mom speak I, I think I speak for everybody when you just can't help but tear up because you know she she's fighting to to advocate for justice for her daughter and so, um, like we were saying, all this unraveled like in different timelines as far as what was released to the public and what they learned. I want to also say that they talked about one of the agencies that was helping for the search and rescue. I want to say that one of the gentlemen that leads one of those organizations, I think he does it on his own time. And it is because he also I think his, his daughter or one of his children went missing. And so to him, it took like a special meaning. And Mama Margot, I think it's on your podcast that I heard this from. <laughs> and so, uh, so definitely visit her on that episode. With all these events happening and kind of like unraveling, then we have what happens after we finally learned about what happens. And this is where, you know, I hand the baton over to, to Mao. A public memorial service for Vanessa was held August 14th in Houston, where her, her coffin was decorated with Mexican-American flags and lapped around her high school track and laid in the school's auditorium for a service that was more than seven hours long. The event was streamed on Facebook Live, which included several Catholic and Mexican traditions, a mariachi band paid for by the singer Becky G, where she also performed. In September, an army investigation was expanded to the entire chain of command at Fort Hood for both male and female soldiers, describing a culture of sexual harassment and bullying and where they essentially said they were ignored by the leadership. In September, the bill named I am Vanessa Guillen after a hashtag that encouraged military members to talk about their own sexual harassment and sexual assault experiences was introduced to the House of Representatives. At a press conference, it was said that 20,000 military service members were assaulted and only 5,000 filed complaints. So this bill is currently um, sitting, I want to say, with Congress. Um, I tried to look up the status, but I can't find if it, I don't think it had passed yet. So there is still time to, to um, make your, your calls. So this specific bill, the I Am Vanessa Guillen Act HR 8270 of 116th, would move prosecution decisions on sexual assault and sexual harassment cases outside of the chain of command to an office of the chief prosecutor within each military service. So based on what, like, just like what Michelle was saying, it would, it would be a third party rather than your command making that choice. So it's unbiased, probably, hopefully not military related, then would create a standalone military offense for sexual harassment. So if people don't know, harassment itself, there's no, you don't, 
not necessarily you don't get in trouble for it, but there's no specific regulation or rule that you're breaking. So this would create harassment itself because a lot of times you're they're like, well, it's just harassment. It's not sexual assault. They didn't touch you. And so this would create standalone offense. Established trained sexual harassment investigators who are, who are outside of the chain of command of the complaint and accused will be created. And then they would create a confidential reporting process for sexual harassment that is integrated with DOD's Catch a Serial Offender database. Require the Government Accountability Office to investigate the military's procedures for finding missing service members and compare with procedures used by civilian law enforcement best practices, which is crazy. So that shit is not, so that's not even established now to this day. How the military responds to missing service members is non-existent in comparison to what the civilian law enforcement does. Instead of just being like, oh, they're AWOL. And then, so there's two more. So they would require both DOD and the Government Accountability Office to conduct a separate evaluation of the military services sexual harassment assault response prevention programs. And then establish a process by which service members can make claims for negligence and seek compensation damages against the DOD in the case of sexual harassment or sexual assault. So, so that's all I have for the aftermath of the unfortunate death of, of Vanessa Guillen. We all knew that shit was out there. I think civilians, the world, globally, are aware of just the toxic environment for men and women that are serving. And unfortunately, it took the death of a beautiful, beautiful soul and the heartache of her family to finally have accountability within the military i think from us we hope that you can be part of the change in regards to just the toxic masculinity and just not taking shit from anybody when it comes to sexual harassment and assault because that's not okay and it perpetuates this bullshit environment and honestly like the praise that we can give to social media because i think on uh we can constantly just sit here and shit on social media and talk about all the negative traits and awful things that social media brings to the world. But I'm pretty sure this has been happening in the military since the beginning of time. Um, And social media really made this a thing, right? Vanessa became like this name that the world knew because of social media. Absolutely, that's a great point of in so many other worlds absolutely the me too movement black lives matter stop asian hate i am vanessa Guillen. like that gives light to the oppression and the the shit that everybody goes through and you can't pretend oh it doesn't happen because now you see it it's it's forever on the internet yeah. and i want to say because of her family's never-ending efforts so many other things came to light so for example for sergeant l elder fernandez we had known about that and and so in embarking on this separate investigation that i was talking about earlier the names of other soldiers and their remains and their disappearances also hit social media and that's very saddening and it's very scary and like you said put a foot forward and ensure that we're supporting raising awareness and also doing what we can to ensure that you know that we're just keeping each other safe yes absolutely thank you so i think we will end on that before i go on a huge another rant (laughs) and get taken out (laughs) michelle thank you for joining us thank you so much for having me on and i really appreciate all the work that you're doing it's awesome
really loved your input and just kind of the outside perspective because I think you know Neo and I are kind of heavy in and luckily as a civilian I can speak a little more to the the wrongdoings because I don't have Uncle Sam's thumb on me anymore suck it (laughs) we had to also acknowledge that it will be one year since Vanessa's death so we wanted to use this platform to to honor her memory and her family's advocacy and work for not just her and her legacy but for other fallen soldiers and everybody else that has not had that voice thank you for joining us and homies i know this is a heavy one so i hope you all are able to just process just remember her for we will catch you all next time so feel free to hit us up via voice message link or email or instagram and be sure to catch michelle's podcast coming out next week we will have a trailer um, attached to the end of our podcast so stick around and listen to it it is so so dope and i can't wait for y'all to hear her beautiful storytelling it's like amazing she gave me four minutes and i was like i need more like now till next time homies keep it real peace (laughs) (laughs) thank you for joining us and be sure to come back next week where we continue to explore true crime psychology, the paranormal, mental health, and everything in between. We would love to hear from you, so email us at millennialtherapistspod at gmail.com with your ghost stories, paranormal experiences, questions about therapy and counseling, or the social work field. And don't forget to share, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Remember, you are valued, you are enough, and you are not alone. Please subscribe and review. Bye-bye. Move. N-word. Yes, friends. With the hard E-R. It's funny because being in the city and being Dominican, like, just being from New York, it's it, it's a cool thing. Like, it was always, it's always been cool to be Dominican, so I never really felt out of place, obviously, until I went upstate for college. Um, but Although I identify as Afro-Latina or mixed or multiracial or whatever, I am black to the world. When we arrived to Sun and Sand Trailer Park, we did not have our own trailer, which, yes, friends, meant we were homeless. Going upstate to a predominantly white institution was kind of a culture shock for me because I was never mm-hmm. used to being an other or being like different. Yes. Ooh, people are scared of you. People look at you funny. Like we saw that difference all the time because I would ride my bike everywhere. Like we would ride our bikes to get out of the hood. Damn, that's heavy. Join me on Coño Who Am I as we follow Michelle on her journey to self-discovery, growth, and empowerment while surviving the trials and tribulations life is throwing at her left and right. Although we are licensed mental health therapists and may cover therapy-related subjects, the topics in this podcast should not substitute professional, psychological, or medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you are a victim of a crime which includes but not limited to stalking, human trafficking, financial crimes, or sexual assault, please know the Victim Connect Resource Center can help. They are a referral helpline where crime victims can learn about their rights and options confidentially and compassionately. A traditional telephone-based helpline is one 855 victim or one 855 or you can connect with them at chat.victimconnect.org or at the website victimconnect.org. If you or someone you know is in crisis, whether they are considering suicide or not, please call the toll-free lifeline available 24-7 across the United States by calling one 800 273 8255.
or visit suicideprevectionlifeline.org. U.S. and Canadian listeners can also text HOME to 741-741 to connect with a trained crisis counselor. U.K. listeners text HOME to 85258, and Ireland listeners text HOME to 50808. For more mental health resources and support, international listeners can visit the website unitedgmh.org slash mental-health-support to find more mental health services and resources. And if you are a veteran in crisis or concerned about one, connect with the Veteran Crisis Line to reach caring, qualified responders with the Department of Veterans Affairs at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or text 838-255. Or you can always visit veteranscrisisline.net. If you or anyone you know may be experiencing domestic violence, you can find resources and support with the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Visit thehotline.org or call 1-800-799-7233.